Pacers pick up Benedict Matherin and Isaiah Jackson's rookie scale team option over the weekend. Why'd they do it? And is it the right move? Plus more thoughts on their preseason play so far and a preview of Pacers Rocks tonight. Zach Pearson joins us today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers after I show off my Philly shirt, because the NLCS is tonight, and my boys are getting back to the World Series, and it is going to be fantastic. But today, we're talking about the Indiana Pacers and their weekend of news and basketball games. Of course, the big news coming out over the weekend, Benedict Matherin and Isaiah Jackson had their rookie scale team options picked up. They're now both under contract. Through the 2024-25 season, why did the Pacers do it? Does it make sense for Matherin? Of course it does. For Jackson, the question of does that make sense? I'll explain why I think it does. Uh, and, of course, we also talk about the preseason action the Pacers have played so far and their game tonight against the Hawks, uh, Tyrese Halliburton possibly returning, what all that could mean for the Pacers. So lots of stuff to get to today. And who better to do it with than Zach Pearson, who I haven't talked to for a while. Unfortunately, it was great to catch back up with him. Zach is the publisher of Pacers Press over on Substack. Love chatting with Zach. And we covered a lot of ground today on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Let's just get right into the conversation. Zach Pearson is here. First time of the 2023-24 season. And I messaged Zach and I said, Zach, I want to talk to you about the preseason and the Hawks on Monday. It's going to be great. They have home preseason games. Fan Jam will have happened. We'll have lots to talk about. And then the Pacers swooped in and gave us some news. Team options picked up for Benedict Matherin and Isaiah Jackson on their rookie skill deals. We'll talk about that as well as preseason action today. But Zach, first off, how you doing, man? We were fighting the tech battle before we got going. That's right. It's a tough battle to fight. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's I'm doing pretty good. And uh, we got it squared away now. So we're good. Good Lord. I can't believe it. Like, I should be young and good at tech. And I suck at technology. It's so painful. I'm right there. It's brutal. Uh, yes, we will lead with the news of the weekend. The rookie scale team options for Isaiah Jackson and Benedict Mather have been picked up. I wrote on August 31st. I thought it was an easy decision for both of them. Is there anything we have to say about Benedict Matherin? Like that, that there's even any discussion to be had there. We'll talk more, a lot more about Isaiah Jackson. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Matt, like, I mean, Matherin's a no-brainer. I mean, that's that's <laughs> obviously going to happen. He's going to start for the team this season. Um, you know, I, I think the, like the front office obviously sees him as a star in the league. Matherin's confidence is also going to tell you that. Um, and, you know, I still think this season is going to be interesting to see just in terms of like a production level, like, uh, especially with the more defined role for Matherin, especially next to Tyrese Halliburton, obviously that changes everything. You saw what happened to miles last year. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, as far as the option goes, this was always going to happen. hundred percent formality. It's dumb. They even have to make a press release, <laughs> but that's what it is. Uh, Isaiah Jackson though. I wrote it was easy, and I'm going to explain why, and then I'm going to talk about why I had to walk that back a bit, and then I'm going to explain why I still think they did it anyway. So, uh, well, first of all, though, to close up on Mather, and he'll make $7.2 million next year. That's a bargain for any starter, assuming he fits even kind of well with Tyrese Halliburton. They're going to pick up his fourth-year option, too. He's a great young player. Isaiah Jackson is maybe in the rotation, maybe not. In terms of earning it in the preseason, something the Pacers have talked about with their backup centers, he's been Fine, I would say below what they hoped. And maybe I don't know about their expectations, but below what they hoped. He's currently, at least, been the backup center of both of their preseason games. So they have some faith in him, presumably. But Jalen Smith outplayed him. 
uh, in that Houston game, certainly. Uh, my thought was, for especially contractually, is that if they, if they were like really close to having max cap room, and the difference would be Isaiah Jackson's salary, if they were really close to luxury tax, and the difference between being under it and having wiggle room, or being over it, or being too close to it, was not having Isaiah Jackson's salary, then maybe they think really hard about this, right? Because the backup center position, they have a lot of options. In theory, the free agent market sort of robust at that spot. And they think about it. But to me, because they're not close to that, and they're going to have a lot of cap space anyway next summer, the opportunity cost is really low, right? If you have Isaiah Jackson, it turns out you don't want him next year to be your backup five. Okay, whatever. Like, it's not that much money. You could just cut him or stretch him or whatever if you need that extra space. But you still have him and the chance to develop in the next two years in this case and show your belief in him. And the other part of this is... The opposite of what happened to Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith had his third-year option declined, and immediately his trade value just gone. It's zero. It's nothing, right? Because you can't re-sign him anymore to anything over what he makes, and he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So Jalen Smith was was worthless in trades. It was basically a salary dump the Pacers got him for in that Torrey Craig trade. Isaiah Jackson now might have no trade value if he doesn't play well this year, but he could because he's got that deal next year and restricted free agency after that. So the team that gets him knows they can develop him and keep him. So there's a lot of reasons that they might have declined it just because of what's in flux at the backup center spot. And maybe Jalen Smith is the guy they want to play there. But to me, especially contractually, the opportunity cost was so low that I'd rather take a bet on a guy I've drafted and developed and know than just open a roster spot just to open a roster spot because the money isn't really a factor for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, for Jackson, like you said, the Pacers traded up to get him. Uh, I think, you know, the, the verticality obviously is what pops the most on tape. But, you know, the, the battle between him and Smith is going to be, you know, a big one to monitor, uh, especially like throughout the entire season, not just preseason. But, uh, you know, he just has so much so much athleticism, you know, that the team has lacked in the past. Um, and, you know, I understand why they would want to keep letting him develop for for those reasons. Just just he has that raw talent. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see throughout the entire season, especially with Tice, like, where does he fit yeah. in the mix? Um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see if he can really develop a skill set. Like Jackson's minimum salary. I don't have the scale in front of me, but for a three-year veteran minimum player next year would be like 2 million something like his actual salary in 2024, 25, the other just picked up is 4.4 million. So even if he is awful this year and you view him as a totally negative, shouldn't be in the NBA player. Okay. He's a negative 2.4 million salary. Like that's nothing. You can dump that easily. The Pacers were able to jump, dump TJ leaf easily. And they only had to dump TJ leaf because it was a pandemic and the salary cap went down (laughs) instead of going up. Well, it stayed the same, which is effectively going down since salaries go up, whatever. So like the circumstance it takes for an option that low to actually kill you contractually is like impossible. And Jackson's salary isn't that high. And clearly they believe in him. They keep giving him chances to be the backup five. And he's shown games where he is at his best. Now, his preseason merited the discussion brought up of, is this actually going to be the right choice? Because in the Houston game, there comes the foul trouble right back up, right? Same thing that happened in summer league where you can see what he's trying to do all the time on defense, right? He's jumping out on Amen Thompson from the baseline. That's great. He's defending a good player. And then he jumps at him on a mid-range jumper and he shouldn't jump at him and he fouls him. And that's a mistake. So like the process is there until it's not. And it hasn't ever really developed in a way that the Pacers would hope, but he still gets better at stuff. He still provides an element nobody else does. And I think the hope that they can ever reel that in and have him be the backup five is there. His fit with Andrew Nemhart, as Kalen and I have talked about, is there. If that's something they can harness this season, then he's totally worth it. And if they can't, 
again, the cost is just so low that it might not matter that much anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he's flashed things before, especially in the G League, where it's like you see him shooting four threes a game and it's like, yeah. okay, where's this? gonna gonna translate but yeah no i mean he's he's definitely shown that he's capable in, in certain settings but i think translating that to the nba is going to be where you know that that's going to be the main focus for him especially over the next you know however many months god i love those g league games and guys can explore <laughs> the first yeah. time i saw terry taylor after he got his pacers he'll go back to the g league and i think at 44 it's just like yeah. <laughs> they just kick so much but yeah Isaiah yeah. does take threes in the g league there and so like the the I don't know exactly what the number is going to be, right? It depends on Jalen Smith's player option and Daniel Tice's team option will presumably be declined, but, and Bruce Brown's team option and a, a couple other things with cap holds, but the Pacers could have like an unreasonably large amount of space next year. Unreasonable sounds bad. It's not bad. It's a lot. That's good. And if they're a good team, them and the Sixers will be competing for like every good free agent. And the Pacers will have a very good sales pitch of we're young and good and developing and have a lot of space. And so it's not like they're not going to be players because of Jackson or Ma- of Jackson's money. Matherin was a no-brainer. So I get the thought of like, hey, ha- is this guy actually that good or has he actually gotten any better? Well, even if you just view him as a neutral player, then he's definitely worth it. And if he's a negative player, then you have to hope he develops. But to me, I would rather bet on a guy if I'm a team that I drafted and have seen every day and know what his work ethic's all about especially if the cost is super low, then not develop him. So it makes sense to me, even though I understand the fan questions. And that's why I wrote that it was easy back in August, even though I reeled that back a little bit. So unless you have any more thoughts on this, Zach, I propose we go talk about some preseason play. Let's do it. Hey, everybody, I have to tell you about the Game Time app. It's the best way to get tickets to a sporting event out there. No more frustrating experiences where you can't get the tickets you want or there's all these hidden fees or you don't know where you're going to sit until you get there. Game Time covers all of those problems. You can get last-minute tickets. They have flash deals. It's easy to find and buy the tickets. You can view where you're sitting in the venue, and they have their lowest price guarantee and event cancellation protection and job loss protection. It's the best. They have deals on tickets right until the start of the event. I bought tickets to New York Liberty game earlier this summer until right before it started. Uh, You can get flash deals right on there for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With zone deals, you pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And with the Game Time guarantee, you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Heck yeah. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. And hey, the Pacers play this week at home. So perfect time to download the Game Time app. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A. For $20 off, download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That is it for the contractual stuff, except for extensions. We'll see. They have until the Monday before the season for Neesmith, uh TJ McConnell, Daniel Tice, Obi Toppin extensions, and then Buddy Heald can be extended, extended, excuse me, into the season. Preseason hoops. We're playing good cop, bad cop today, Zach. One good thing and one bad thing we've seen from the Pacers so far. I have to dig deeper into the bag because I've talked about these games so far. So I'll let you go first. Give me one good thing you've liked that you've seen from the Pacers in preseason play so far. Yeah, I think uh, Aaron Neesmith has looked ready to go. Um, he's he's in total game shape. He, you can you can see it instantly on the floor. Uh, he's active in the mid range as well, uh, which has been pretty interesting. Uh, he's sort of taking the uh, TJ Warren approach with his play style, just very score um, score heavy, um, especially against Houston. Uh, I don't think he had anything outside of points. I think maybe a steal. 
Um, but yeah, so I mean, he, he's just, he pops on the floor. Um, I'm really interested to see defensively if that can be like his, uh, what makes him gel on the court this year. Uh, more realistically, I think he'll see a lot more court time defensively if he just, you know, with how big of a focus it is for him and the team this season. Um, so Aaron Neesmith, yeah, he's been, he's been really interesting, especially the first two games. I've got to talk about Neesmith twice already, and I still have more to add because <laughs> I'm yeah. digging really into what he's been doing, and he's been good. So here's stat number one for you, Zach. How many times last season do you think Aaron Neesmith attempted attempted six free throws in a game? Uh, under 10. Yes, seven is the answer. He played 73 games. Seven times he attempted six free throws. You know how many it took against the Memphis Grizzlies in the first preseason game? Six free throws, right? Already signs, like I said, of like, rim aggression and feel in a way that we've never seen from Aaron Neesmith before. And it's preseason, but last year preseason was a good indicator that Aaron Neesmith was better. Okay. They played the Rockets two days later. Aaron Neesmith had 18 points. That's not like a crazy number, especially for him. He had 18 points and he made one three. How many times last season do you think Aaron Neesmith scored 18 points and hit less than two threes in a game? Less than five. Zero. Never. (laughs) He never did it. Every time he scored at least 18 points last season, he hit at least two threes. And uh, let me make sure I got this right. Okay. He did it nine times. He had 18 points last season. And eight of them, he hit at least four threes. (laughs) And one of them, he hit two. So he never was a guy who'd have these big scoring nights unless his three was falling. And then against the Rockets, he's getting to the rim and getting to the line and scoring in new ways. So I don't know that this is going to be a thing. Right. I don't know if it's in the pace should rely on, but if he really can be a perimeter threat who can like occasionally have enough burst to get to the foul line and can actually score, like you said, it in the mid range or at the rim without relying on the three to get to whatever he's going to average this year, 10, 12 points a game. That's a huge upgrade from the player he was last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's exactly how he's going to get those minutes that everybody's fighting for. You know, I mean, like, especially just just defensively, you have probably you know, a handful of guys on this team that are just going to be like baseline capable of that, right. uh, that you can rely on. So just him being, even if he's in the second unit and being that guy who can provide that consistency, Carlisle will love that. So um, yeah, if, if that's what he can bring as well as you just, I mean, like you said earlier, getting to the rim, scoring, I mean, he just looks comfortable with it. I think it's the decision-making um, I, I, that I really noticed in Houston. Like he just, he had his mind not made up, but like making the right play. And uh, yeah, that's that's just really what I'm interested to see if that carries over, especially when you add Tyrese to the mix and get a more in-depth uh, rotation. Love that TJ Warren comp you made. It's like it's like the inverse growth, though, like like Warren could do the crazy mid rangers and rim shots and then eventually had the threes. Maybe yeah. he's to go the opposite. They're, they're different. They're totally different players. Yeah. But like in terms of, of the slow growth into being a capable score and defender. It took Warren forever yeah. to be the defender, and Eastman's kind of already there. And if he could be that type of player, that would be so That'd be nuts. That'd be huge so cool. for the Pacers. I mean, they haven't had wing-size scoring since, since Warren, and he only played up basically a season for them. Levert's the closest thing they had, really. Yeah. Uh, nice, uh, Brogdon for Neesmith would not be as uh, uh, bad at that point. Yeah, that's a pretty, <laughs> good, pretty good swap there. That trade worked out. Pretty quick, just because Neesmith was a rotation player for them last year. If he yeah. turned out to be good and the pick, which they traded, so we'll see how what that turns yeah. out to is good. And Brogdon turns out to be tough to trade because of these injuries, which I don't know what the Pacers did or didn't know there. But they, they well, it looked like a, a meh return at first has slowly and slowly gotten better basically every game. I've talked Especially about with. 
Go okay, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, with with Tice, uh, especially like I didn't. I honestly, when he we we first got him, I didn't think he would be on the roster this this long. I thought he was kind of like a, a quick flip type of thing, um, and he's just kind of you know stayed here. So that that's interesting as well. Agreed. Um, okay, the guy I will go to for my good is Jalen Smith, um, and I just mostly want to talk about him because I think the backup center battle is still really interesting, uh, especially now they picked up. Jackson's option, right? So they clearly have some investment in him for this season and next season. But Sticks, like, clearly was, the, I guess, clearly is a stretch. We've only seen two preseason games. We haven't seen enough practice to really know how they're feeling. But if you look at the pecking order, it sure seems like he was last, right? And the only game that all three of the backup centers played, he was the third guy off the bench. And they've talked all preseason in these practices about whoever's getting that backup center spot's going to earn it, right? They're going to have to come in and give a trillion percent and play really well and prove that they should be the Pacers back five. They're going to have to earn it, right? And they all think they can because they're good and they're in the NBA. In terms of showing fans, at least, who should earn it and showing people who have no idea what happens at practice and, and displaying their skills, Jalen Smith's been the one. He was awesome in Houston. I mean, he was explosive enough on defense with his mobility. He wasn't like blocking shots and blowing up plays, but he was all over the place and he made his threes. He made all of his shots. Uh, he got grabbed rebounds, like just play to the force that he does do that sometimes. Like last season, he'd have these games where I was like, wow, Jalen Smith. And it wasn't all the time, but in terms of having a game like that at a time where there's a lot of pressure on you to perform, <laughs> to earn time, everybody wants to play in the NBA. Perfect time for Jalen Smith to have a game like that. And I think in terms of what we've seen, the pecking order for me would be that Jalen Smith might be the leader right now for the spot. Although, I don't know how much stock the Pacers put in one game. And again, I can't watch practice outside of the media available portions, but what we've been able to see, it sure seems like he'd be in first place. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that was going to be my uh, negative as well as just who is the backup big. Yeah. Uh, that I mean, it's just, it's got to be something that's figured out, uh, of course. But, you know, I, I think as of right now, like you said, Jalen Smith does have the nod for me. Um, just with his shooting and rebounding, I think it just looks more comfortable. And uh, I think he's a better fit uh, stylistically in that role. Um, you know, he obviously has to be consistent. And uh, we need to see that in the next couple of preseason games as well as the regular season. Um, but that that is a real battle. And uh, I think, you know, he needs to find like a, a skill set that he can really lean on that might help with the consistency. You know, kind of like what Miles did um, with, with just defense and blocks and, and just owning that role. Um, I think, you know, like with Miles, it took him some time before he's a real producer offensively. So I think if Jalen can just be a consistent rebounder, you know, or or just even getting 10 points in a game type of thing is is going to be huge for him. Uh, that was my that was my big negative was just who, who who's going to be that 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 role. Um, but I think another one could be just to not have the same would just be Obi Toppin and his defense. Um, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a concern. I'm a huge Obi Toppin fan. Uh, I watched him a ton at Dayton. Um, yeah, you went and, to Dayton. Everybody should know yeah. that, that Zach should be the most biased Toppin yeah. fan I've had on before. Huge, huge bias. I, I really <laughs> think athletically he's going to be a, a, a huge pop, especially with seeing him in Halliburton. I think it's going to be a super, super good fit. Uh, but I, I still think defensively there is a step to take. 
And it's yep. not something that can just be pushed aside because, you know, he's a big acquisition, uh, a bigger name and and is the the starter, supposedly. I think he, he really needs to own that role and, and the, the rest will take care of itself. He's such a, a naturally gifted, uh, you know, athletic player. So um, that that's going to be that's going to be fine. But if he can really step it up defensively and, and maybe get a few steals in a game or, or just have that transition uh, uh, play be a part of it, that that would be huge as well. Agreed. Uh, so, so the top and bright side for anyone would be how Halbert hasn't played, right? So, like yeah, right. the guy, yeah. the guy that he makes the most sense with just hasn't played yet. But the defensive concerns, it doesn't matter that Halbert hasn't played. Like Jaron Jackson, just put him under the rim, yeah. or cross him over, or whatever. And against Houston, he he actually in the first half against Houston, I wouldn't say he was good on defense, but like I wasn't like, what is he doing? Or like he wasn't getting smoked. But in the third quarter, he had some head-scratching moments, and that was the end of his night. It was the end of every rotation player's night. That was not like he didn't stop playing because his defense was poor. So I definitely think defensively he's going to have to step up, um, or at least and maybe something with Pacer's scheme is causing him to be put in poor positions or something, but it doesn't. it sure seems like a lot of the he's involved in pick-and-roll action or he is supposed to stop somebody one-on-one has not gone particularly well so far. I was impressed, like in the Houston game, something he did well. I didn't realize my fidget spinner was in the frame. Was <laughs> that um, he he got he hit the glass pretty hard in that game, and that really upped his impact, right? On both ends, he got some easy points. He got them going in transition, where where they want to be good, and like that can add to his defensive value. Certainly, I think that's going to be important. But yeah, I agree that uh, you know, he he's been fine offensively, but I, I think that they would have expected more from him so far, especially on the defensive end, and they've been working on that and with these new one on one drills too. But it hasn't led anything for him yet. Um, yes, I mean, we could talk about defense for the negative the whole show. Yeah, there's still new system. Uh, it's gonna be tough. They've struggled with everybody you ask in practice, like, what do you like and not like about your preseason game so far? Yeah, defense, we're not doing the scheme well. It's gonna take time. They know that. The other thing Tyrese Halberton said that I want to try to talk about, even though it's gonna be very tricky because I don't play for the Pacers. Um, we talked to him on uh Friday. After they did their pre-fan jam scrimmage, and I asked him what he liked and didn't like about the preseason games. Let me find the exact quote. I'm scrolling through my own Twitter feed. Uh, okay. Describing the Pacers offense, Tyrus Halberton said, offensively, there's a little bit of repetitiveness to our randomness. <laughs> um, so they play random, and every time I ask someone about that, it's like, to them, it's obvious, right? It's just like natural. They know what to do. Their teammates understand, like, this guy could shoot or dribble or pass. We don't know. We just got to be ready. And so it's random to us and it's random to the defense, but it's not random to the Pacers, right? So like that I get, I can explain that verbally, but like in a game, it's hard to tell like from our seat, what was random or what was supposed to happen. And my interpretation of what he's saying is like, so far in those situations where a guy can have all those decisions to make it a play, they haven't like, it's been easy to read what they're going to do. And Halbert himself is the best one that, breaking their structure in a positive way. So having him back will help. He said he's going to play this week. We'll talk about that in a second. But I do think their offense has been stale at times, and I wonder if that's part of why, is that their high-paced style doesn't lead to early offense when they can't be unpredictable and be tough to defend like they were so often last year. Yeah, I think you know their options are just not unlocked either. If you're not going to have your your all star creator on the floor, yeah. and you can't really get a, a real good gauge of you know what they can be depth wise with Nembhard not playing either, um, two really big connectors for the team last year. So I, I think that's got to be a part of it as well. And you're really relying on guys who are really new to the system. Bruce Brown played a little point guard. Uh, Buddy Hill did pretty good. That's 
at point, but you know, it's not a role he's going to be consistently doing, I would imagine. So um, yeah, I think that that probably is that that goes into it as well. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We've all had a time in our life when we knew it was good for us, but your brain just gets in the way. For me, sometimes it's working out every day and that can happen to anyone. Do you feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like, you know what you should do and what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Well, therapy helps you figure out what is holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brand your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockdownNBA. One more preseason game that I want to talk about with you today, Zach, and that is Pacers-Hawks, the first home preseason game for the Pacers, and there is stuff to look forward to, namely, according to Tyrese Halberd, who I think is a pretty good source on this, Tyrese Halberd is going to play. I asked him straight up if he expects to play in the games this week. They're monitoring his availability. He played a lot for them last year. He played it for Team USA. He said, I'll be playing. I'll be out there. Rick Carlisle uh, also said, yeah, they hope he can play. So I'm imagining Tyrese Halberton will be playing on Monday. I'm looking forward to it because it will change kind of everything about the Pacers structure in a good way. What do you want to see from him or what are you looking forward to seeing about him in this game? Well, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but like genuinely the connection with Obi Toppin, I think yeah. that's the, one of the most hyped up uh, parts of this offseason. Uh, Tyrese even tweeting about it. You know, I'm sure it's going to be a point of emphasis to get him involved vertically. Uh, Obi Toppin, that is. And uh, yeah, I think Tyrese is really going to just bring the offense together. Um, you can see it. I mean, the no look passes is, is the flashy part, but like he really does connect everybody um, at all times. And I feel like it's easier for the offense to be engaged when they know, okay, I can get a shot up almost at any time if I'm open because Tyrese yep. is going to get the ball to me. So um, yeah, that's going to be really interesting. I don't know how long he'll play, um, but you know, when, when he does, it's also going to be, I know it's repetitive, but the defensive side, um, how, how involved and engaged is he? Um, I mean, he did okay with USA as well, but um, that that's going to be really interesting to, to see how he does um, for however long he plays. Yeah, funnily enough, my thing I'm really interested about with him is the other new player, his fit with Bruce, right? How do they complement each other? They haven't, like, they, they've been separated a lot in practice because of Bruce's ball handling, too. It's, like, easier to build units that way. Uh, at least that's my interpretation of why they have, because Bruce said, ah, oh, we haven't played together a ton so far. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do together and how additive they can be. And it's one game. It's going to grow as the season progresses. But just what it looks like, how they can set each other up, what Brown looks like next to another creator, because it's funny, like if anyone is ready to play with Tyrese Halbert, it's the guy who just played with Jokic, <laughs> right? So he knows you got to be ready for the passes, no matter what the situation is. And Halbert will bring that randomness we just talked about, right? Like he can shoot past dribble, do whatever every time he catches the ball and everybody's ready for it in a way that's constructive and he'll break down the defense and make some plays. So that's of course when I'm looking forward to seeing, I'll try to track their minutes together so as I can. But the other thing I think that's important about having Halliburton back is how their backcourt matches up on defense. And the Hawks are the perfect first opponent 
to get a glimpse of it because they have two awesome, awesome ball handlers into John Murray and Trey Young, and then some decent wings like DeAndre Hunter or AJ Griffin or Bogdan Bogdanovich or whoever they decide to go with that there. Maybe Sadiq Bey starts. They have a lot of intrigue. So I don't know that the Hawks are going to play all their guys, and that could throw this off for me. But I think we'll actually learn a decent amount on how the Pacers want to match up with teams like that in terms of if they put Brown on one ball handler and Mather on the other and then hide Halbert and elsewhere, or do they do something else? How do they defend those three guys, man on man, will be telling potentially about, one, something they really value in Bruce, and two, how they plan on guarding those teams as the season progresses because on Friday, they play Cleveland, who's also set up similarly. So it will be a very telling game. Yeah, I think uh, the 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 communication is going to be really a, a big factor as well. That's probably what we can uh, see translate. You know, is there going to be a lot of miscommunication, uh, or is it going to be more fluent? You know, that that are, are fluid. That's that's kind of what um, will be noticeable on the court because there'll be easy layups or not. Um, so yeah, that that's interesting. I think you know it's, it's going to take time, of course, with new teammates. But uh, yeah, that that's definitely interesting to look out for. Wait, that was great. You said fluent instead of fluid, but it actually worked the same way. Talking yeah, about communication. I, you got to be yeah, fluent, right? I guess so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you didn't change the wording, no one would have known that you yeah. headed down a different path there. Um, I don't know if we'll see Andrew Nemhard or not. He didn't play in Fan Jam on Saturday. We haven't gotten to talk to him because he's out, and that's how injuries work in the NBA with media. Yeah. But I'm curious how he had the kidney stone removed. <laughs> I know there's more than one ways to do it, including the very painful one. And I think that could be telling for his return and how he's dealing with the pain and things like that. So I don't know that he'll play on Monday. If he wasn't able to go Saturday, I mean, I'm, I, as a person who likes to have numbers and stuff <laughs> to talk about, I would like to see him play in the preseason. Um, so we'll see there, even if he does it though, they'll have if assuming Halliburton plays and I guess assuming Turner plays the most normal rotation we've seen. So we'll also learn a lot about the the pecking order and the ultimate structure of what they plan to do with their top nine or 10 guys. I think that'll be a little revealing, even though we've gotten a pretty good sense from these first two games. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. If he, if he can play, that'll be really interesting to see, especially rotation wise um, where he's going to fit in. I I assume it'll start with the second unit. Um, But, you know, I don't think the starters will play the entire game. So, you know, it'll be like at at halftime, just be interesting to see kind of how that would fit in if he does, or if he is able to go. Um, But yeah, I guess we'll find out. Anything else you're looking forward to in Pacers Hawks? Uh, n- no, I mean, I'm just interested to see, like you said, if Tyree's playing, that's going to be, that's going to be a fun, you know, event no matter what. And, uh, yeah, I hope they can pull out of preseason with at least one win. That'd be fun. <laughs> I don't know that, like, I'd ha- I'd, I guess I've never really cared. Like yeah. if you go on four in the preseason, does it matter? <laughs> like, is, is, is there evidence no. of good or bad results in the preseason having any sort of bearing on regular season results? Yeah, I don't know. That'd be that'd be an interesting one to look at. I I obviously, I mean, it's just the reps, right? I mean, that's really what it's about. But um, it, it would be cool just to see uh, the the young guys be able to get together and maybe just get that winning feeling, uh, or just that first one. I don't know. That's uh, um, just just good reps. This is just a guess, but the way they've trended so far, too, I bet we see the rotation for even longer. Like they got to about. Nine minutes left against Houston with mostly normal rotation before they really cleared the benches. They mix things up in the third quarter a bit. So I wonder if we see almost the normal rotation the whole game until like the very end. Who knows? And then the final preseason game is truly like a here's what we're planning on doing. I don't I don't know. I don't expect Rick Carlisle to tell us exactly what they're doing. They don't need to. It doesn't matter. Um, it's not like a strategic disadvantage. 
for them. So why would they reveal it? But I'll be curious how they try to to get all that going, especially as their health grows ahead of the season. Zach, thank you for the time. Preseason game three today, preseason game four Friday. You will be there. Where can people follow you, your work covering the Pacers, etc.? Yeah, so I'm writing for PacersPress.com, uh, at PacersPress on Twitter, and uh, yeah, Zach Pearson on Twitter as well. Check Zach A. Pearson on Twitter, I believe. You can't you can't sneak your own at by me <laughs> <laughs> incorrectly. Uh, yes, highly recommend to follow. Zach's been in the space for a long time. He was at the front office reception uh, a couple weeks ago as well. Uh, tomorrow, of course, we'll be breaking down this game. Wednesday, we're talking about the league at large, looking ahead and where the Pacers fit into that structure. Thursday, special guest, can't reveal who it is, and Friday, previewing the Pacers' final preseason outing before things get real next week. Zach, thank you very much for the time, and good luck in the world of uh, figuring out tech and the life of moving. I just moved. It is not a fun activity. Not at all. Not at all. How much of your stuff's done? Like all in uh, now? Uh, probably like 80%. Yeah. It always feels like you're closer than you are. I'll take your word. I know. You got to keep buying stuff. It's always <laughs> buying something. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought we had everything. And I was like, wow, we have nothing on the walls and our entryway is empty. It's just ridiculous. It never stops. Yeah. Oh, you'll figure it out. It'll be great. And I will get to see you on Friday. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you soon.